very warm welcome to the entire North Mid Assembly of God family as we start this online service. And a very, very further warm welcome to all of you watching us from um, all across the nations, wherever you are located. God bless you. Thank you very much for joining this service. I'd like to specifically uh, welcome those that are listening in on One Love Radio. And uh, we have people listening in from Kasama, Mongu, uh, Lusaka, of course, the center, as well as uh, Siavonga. God bless you. This is going to be a wonderful time for you as we bring you an experience uh, of the Father who loves us and who wants us to enjoy our time together. Just now, a moment of worship with one of our choirs, and I want you to just engage with the King of Kings. This is an appointment with God, our Savior, and I promise you that God will meet you at the point of your need.
praise God. I, you just have had that reminder of the King of Kings and the fact that He indeed is with you, whatever the circumstance is in your life. Today, we have a message that God has placed on my heart and which I have entitled, Cultivating Hope in a Time of Crisis. And we are reading from Isaiah chapter 43, verses one to three. The Bible reads, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob. And if you take out the word Jacob and put your name there, uh, whether you are Siame or you are Banda, which is a great name by the way, um, or Israel, or we can even put in the name of the nation, Zambia, he who created you, or put in your name, the name of your nation, if you're watching us from uh, Australia or wherever you are, you put in your name there. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. May those words ring strong for you today that you will hear the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords celebrating over your life and saying that you are His. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. May that be your portion today in the name of Jesus. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. The Lord add blessings to the reading of his word. Let me invite you to a brief moment of prayer. Dear Lord, we honor you and thank you for this time of encounter with you. I pray that you will grant us a visitation as you have ordained for any time that we gather in your name. So I ask that you touch your children wherever they are watching us from and wherever they are listening to us from. They're in their homes in their hotel rooms, in their locations of comfort right now. You see the very situations they face. And I pray that this today will be their word of hope. So we seek these messages right now through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Cultivating hope in a time of crisis. The moment you hear the word crisis, um, you begin to think of a few other words. So I looked it up to see what its synonyms were. What other words mean the same thing as crisis? Even though I know we more or less understand it already. The word crisis conveys the meaning of disaster and is identified with Similar words like catastrophe, calamity, predicament, emergency. 
And to say that the coronavirus pandemic that is now ravaging the world over is a pandemic in that sense is really an understatement. It's an understatement because of the negative impact that we're seeing all over the world and that is so evident. So many of our own friends, family members, loved ones that you know who are close to you are bringing this whole scourge and catastrophe closer and closer to you as an individual. So I'm sensitive to that. And as I've been seeking the Lord in the past few days, and I said, Lord, I don't want us to overdo this and just keep referring to coronavirus. But the Lord says, I am God who is with my people in their time of crisis. And so the Lord has commissioned me to share a word within the circumstance that we face right now. The result of what we are seeing all around the world is fear. And it's a fear that's growing every day across the continent of Africa, across the globe, the rest of the continents, that is. We're hearing of many uh, wonderful individuals, some in high-level uh, status of society and some ordinary, who are coming out and saying that they've tested positive for the coronavirus. This is one of the most aggressive viruses that we've ever witnessed on the face of the earth. As an individual and as a social activist, I have been engaged in the fight against HIV for three decades. And I remember that in the first five, ten years, we panicked in so many ways because we were still learning what this virus was, what the, the kind of um, a devastation it was causing. Uh, scientists were all over trying to find out how could we best uh, respond. At that time, it was just simply like uh, a medical issue and it was really being responded to directly by medical doctors. As a pastor and as a social activist, I remember that there were certain limitations I felt that I faced. And for a while, we, we ignored HIV because we thought it was just a medical issue. But there came a point when the Lord began to speak to me and I began to observe as a, as a pastor that there were people in the church, families in the church that were beginning to be affected. And my wife and I took time to interact with these families and begin to understand what was going on. That actually brought this whole experience closer. But there was a, a journey that I took to um, the country of Kenya. And this journey was facilitated by UNAIDS at that time and the Salvation Army Church. And they gathered a number of us as Christian leaders, 60 of us from across Africa. We gathered in the country of Botswana for a few days. Um, but before gathering in Botswana, they asked us to make visits to a number of countries around Africa. And one of those countries that I was assigned to was Kenya. While in Kenya, we took some trips to the community. And I had the privilege of being hosted by a wonderful Salvation Army couple um, who were ministering deep inside a high-density location called Kibera. 
for the first time, I came face to face with people who were at the lowest end of the impact that could be felt by um, the virus that causes AIDS, HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. And so at that particular time, we were in a learning process. As we went from home to home, visiting these people, conversating with those families, and coming back to our location at uh, the Methodist guest houses where we were staying, I'll be that specific at that particular time, would have these reflections. I could not recover from the images I had seen. The whole um, matter of uh, HIV, AIDS, had come so close, face to face. I remember reeling in, in my bed and not being able to sleep, thinking and wondering, where is hope for these families? And at that time, I remember the Lord giving me a message, which I entitled, Death, Dying, and Grief. And those of you from the North Middle Assembly of God family, if you have been here long enough, uh, with us in the church long enough, you remember that I came back from that trip and um, preached a series of messages. And that was the start of a number of initiatives that we now have as strategic responses. And that has helped us over these number of years to be so steeped in responding to help people. I began with this story, my dear friends, because this story marked a journey for me as an individual. It marked a journey for our family. What was so distanced as a medical issue became a social matter, a family matter, an issue that we could now attend to with a greater level of understanding. And through that, the Lord helped us not only to begin to mobilize families, but for those of you who may not be familiar, that became the birth of a number of initiatives. The birth of, for instance, the Circle of Hope, an initiative that enabled us to establish a clinic. And through that, today we are reaching thousands of people providing treatment and providing hope. And these thousands of families have now found a way of living again. This was the time that we were able to reach out to children on the street and we were able to start um, uh, a response specifically helping families that were connected to those street children and that was the Lazarus Project. It helped us to begin to reach out to commercial sex workers on the streets and bringing them into the church and helping them to reform and transform and some of these lives have never been the same again. They've been touched, transformed, and they were able to live normally. And as we speak with some of them today, some of those children that we touched on the streets have grown up, uh, they've gone on to medical school, they've gone on to universities, and the productive citizens, some of them are sons and daughters within the assembly today. It was a crisis then, we referred to as a crisis of HIV and AIDS. After three decades, we are at a place where we can safely say that HIV AIDS has been brought to a level that is manageable. Here in our country, Zambia, the scourge has plateaued to a level where we can safely say we 
can see the finish line and it's very possible that our goals for 2030 globally could be reached where we could have zero infections and zero deaths in relation to HIV. The lessons from there give me hope because today as we deal with COVID-19, a virus which we are simply beginning to learn about, which has brought, like I said earlier, both fear of the unknown as well as fear of the known. The known is all that our scientists are bringing to us and they're helping us to learn uh, how the virus is behaving so far. And it's part of the overall public health messages that are coming from um, gallant responders that are working on the front lines in hospitals and in many locations across the world. We're being reminded by these gallant people that there is a chance to reverse what we are facing. And while we've been encouraged to observe that the mortality rate in relation to those impacted by COVID-19 is still sort of low, one life lost is one life too many. And so the known is an area where we still can have hope that we can do what's supposed to be done, wash our hands as often as we can and observe the highest levels of hygiene. And that's giving us hope knowing that as we stay under either lockdowns or stay uh, cautious in our locations to make sure that we are not going to locations where we can easily contract the, the virus, that's giving us hope and saying that we can at least stem the infection. The unknown is what I want to dwell on a little more and deal with the issue of cultivating hope. The unknown has to do with the surprising concerns that we're hearing in the news, where the mutation that, that, that uh, challenges the very prospects of a vaccine, the various levels of mutations that are being reported about this, this, this virus, um, the new age group that is being affected uh, meaning the younger people, when initially it was being thought it's only the older that were, were more largely at risk. We're hearing uh, reports right now that even younger people are contracting uh, the virus in a number of locations. That, that's new. It's the unknown. And um, this unknown raises fears, raises fears for the young grouping that is out there and loves to socialize. And the caution is, Slow down, slow down. You can't say it's all okay just because you think your immunity is high. Slow down, and this is not fear. I'm actually wanting to deal with diluting that fear, but this is the unknown. Anything unknown raises questions of one's security for the future. So we all need to look for ways to beat the fear of the present and the fear of the future. That is where the message of hope that the Lord has given me today comes in. And I come with a proposal, dear friends, a proposal of how we can cultivate the hope that we need so badly during this time of crisis. Notice that I entitled this message Cultivating Hope in a Time of Crisis. I've chosen the word cultivate because to cultivate is to nurture. It is to nurture and help grow. 
So I'm really trusting that with the help of the Lord, as we look at the word, we can help you to nurture something that's inside you already. Something that will be deposited inside you now as we share God's word. And that once it's been deposited inside you, we can allow with God's help for that hope to grow. So keeping that in mind, let's define hope. Hope is the feeling of wanting something to happen. And right now we so badly want something to happen. We want this virus to stop spreading. It's our hope that the Lord will come through. We're thinking um, that this could happen any time. A feeling, hope is a feeling that something good will happen or be true. And this is really our hope. Hope is an, an optimistic attitude of the mind based on, a, based on an expectation of something that's probably uh, not exactly present, but is about to come. It's a desire. In biblical terms, I've taught before that um, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. Let me deposit that afresh into your laps. Hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. Beloved, that is what occasions our examination of Isaiah 43. The word of God says, as we read earlier, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, O Sarah, O Jane, O Peter, O Walia, whatever your name is, God knows who you are. He knows exactly where you are at. He understands the things you're going through right now. I am glad that you have tuned in. You've tuned in at a time when God has in fact prepared a word for you. He says, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. God's people at this time in Isaiah 43 needed to deal with a very, very serious situation around them. Isaiah the prophet actually had a huge message to present. If you go into the scriptures and you go into chapter 42, which is prefaced, which prefaces uh, and comes just before chapter 43, you will find that the prophet Isaiah was actually rebuking the people of Israel initially for their blindness, for their blindness and deafness uh, in the sense that God had been speaking and um, they were not responding immediately. They were not responding well. So in Isaiah 42 from, verse, from about verse 18 to 25, the Lord rebukes his own children and he says, why are you being so blind? Why are you being so deaf? 
Um, in Isaiah 43, verse 8, he refers to the same thing. He says, the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears to hear. He says, to them, proclaim. And it says, proclaim to them something new. And, and the reason why all that is said in that fashion is because God was wanting them to learn afresh that he had been calling out, he had been beckoning them to hear him. Now, what a crisis like this does, more than anything else, is that it catches our attention. And um, in verse 8, which I was referring to here, the Lord says, lead those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. God there was addressing the insensitivity uh, that we sometimes display as humanity. Sometimes when all is okay, we are so insensitive, not just to his voice, but sometimes we're actually insensitive even to the needs of others. We're insensitive to each other's voices to the extent that we can carry on and uh, not, not even care for one another. We can carry on and sometimes effectively hurt one another, um, uh, practically hurt one another, and that should not be so. So in one sense, uh, there are certain adverse circumstances that God may sovereignly allow, and when they come, they sort of catch our attention. Now, I'm not saying that God is the cause of this. Definitely no. He doesn't cause um, this kind of stuff. Uh, we know that there's, there's, there are many other things that we can think about. However, in his sovereignty, he may allow a catastrophe. And this is what we know is happening now. He may allow a catastrophe to come. But when that catastrophe comes, we turn to him. Right now, this catches our attention. And if you observe in verse number two of Isaiah 43, the Bible says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, uh, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. That imagery, those metaphors, waters, rivers, fires, must remind you and I of a few incidents, historical incidents in the Bible. For instance, when we reflect on the waters, we can immediately think about the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14. When, as they were leaving um, Israel, uh, Egypt, they came to the place of the Red Sea. And in the meantime, they were being pursued by an army of Pharaoh. So they came before the Red Sea and really was a moment of fear. And there was need for hope. So ahead of them was this great Red Sea. Behind them was this army that was ready to ravage. And we, many of us are familiar with the story. They cried out to the Lord. And at some point, uh, even became very insensitive and began to blame Moses. And began to say to Moses, how can you bring us this far? And in the moments when a crisis is happening, we're looking for somebody to blame. There's no time for that right now. What we learned during the early days of fighting HIV and AIDS was that even though there were conspiracy theories about what really happened, was, was this something created in the laboratory and the like, I remember us reflecting on the fact that um, dealing with a scourge like that was like when you have a house on fire. 
when a house is on fire, the, uh, you have to simply summon as quickly as you can the fire engines to come. When the fire engines come, they must work hard to put the flame out. When the flame has finally been put out, then they can say, okay, now what caused the fire? So in a time of crisis like this, we don't want to spend the time just trying to find out what's the cause and the like. No, no, no. We want to simply be at a place where we're saying, Lord, take out this fire. And the children of Israel, unfortunately, like us, turned to Moses and they were blaming him. But then God spoke to Moses and said, speak to my people. Tell them not to fear. In one sense, I'm paraphrasing. And God gave Moses some instructions and as he obeyed those instructions and uh, struck the waters, um, all of a sudden, that place was opened up. And the waters of the Red Sea were hipped on one side and on the other side, and a clear way opened for the people. May this be the day when your fears are handled, God gives you hope, and where there appears to be no way, God makes a way in Jesus' name. I'm inviting you to think about the situation you face, even beyond COVID, whatever you may be facing in your family, whatever you may be facing at your workplace, maybe even with the impact of COVID, some of you now have a work stoppage and your income streams are affected. Your business runs are affected and there appears to be no way of how you may be able to survive. And I know that there are stimulus packages being planned by governments thinking of how they can come in and help you. I want to declare to you, the Lord is saying to you, fear not. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. There will be a way for your family. There will be a way for your business, one way or the other, when all this is over. There will be a way for your work again. And I want you to hope in that. Can you begin to cultivate that hope in the Lord? God opened the Red Sea for miles, for God's people to walk on dry ground. And he will open a way for you as well. When we think about the rivers, the image that comes to mind or the instance that comes to mind is in the book of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 3, God's people at another point were faced with another barrier to their destiny and it was the river Jordan. At that time again, God spoke using his servant Joshua and the leaders and telling them to just go ahead and step in the waters and somehow at that time, the river Jordan had overflowed its banks. It was harvest time. It was during harvest in springtime when the Jordan would typically overflow all its banks. And uh, the weather in that particular region would also allow for snowing. And so when you read the historical arrangement, the snow by now would probably have begun to melt. And so meaning the kind of, of, of flooding that was going here, or going on here was, was very serious. But it was the point at which God was expecting his people to cross the river. Beloved, I don't know what river you face. But I must say to you, the word of God is saying here, when you pass through, may I prophesy that you are passing through the rivers. You're passing through. God will take you through whatever this is and to the river and the waters of COVID, I prophesy, 
we will pass through as humanity. We will manage in the name of Jesus. These rivers and waters will not last forever. God is with us. God is with us. There is the image of the fire. He says, when you go through the fires, you will not be burned. Immediately, the historical story of the three Hebrew boys comes to mind. Daniel chapter 3. God protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At a time when the king, in that particular moment, had issued an edict for people to worship, literally worship somebody other than God. And because they disobeyed that order of worshiping an idol, worshiping humanity, they were taken and thrown into the furnace. If you read that biblical narrative, the Bible says that the furnace was heated more than at any other time, seven times over to the extent that the crew that threw them in the furnace was actually affected by the fire. But the three Hebrew boys, while inside that furnace, which had been heated seven times over, were seen walking around free. They had been thrown in there, bound. They were seen now free, walking around. And then the Bible records, there was a fourth person in there. And the people said, but were there not three thrown in there? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. I'm telling you, my dear friends, God is with you in whatever trouble you face. And let me say to us as nations, globally, wherever it is, this thing we face now shall be history at some point. It's hit us hard, really hard, and disrupted our lives. We have lost loved ones all across the nations. Today, I can't help, once again, think about some of the most devastated nations. Of course, China, for China, it seems like it's sort of a little over. But we think about Italy, whose numbers of the, the ones who have passed on and died have now surpassed China. Think of Spain. We think of all these nations. And if any of you are listening to us or watching us from Spain or from Italy, your brothers and sisters, not just here in Zambia, but around the world, are walking through this with you. We remember you. We are praying for you. We're trusting God to come through for you. Those overstretched health facilities and health workers in these countries. I think about the United States of America. We have many friends, brothers and sisters in the United States of America because that's the next one in line where the numbers are just growing and it's looking so bad. God is with you, brothers and sisters in the United States of America. We're standing with you and praying with you while we pray for our own nations. So this word is for you as well. When you pass through the waters, God says, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. 
So God's prophecy over your life is that this virus will not sweep over you. We speak a stoppage, a recession to this virus right now by the authority of Jesus. May God grant strength. We don't have the resources, humanly speaking, but we are seeking God for divine resources. This is not overdoing it. This is the way it should go because God has given us a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, but that Jesus is Lord. And COVID must bow in the name. COVID-19 must bow in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Now, before I bring this to a close, I want to highlight one of three aspects that I will be wanting us to meditate upon as we go deeper into this passage. The other two aspects I will pick up on when we meet again this next Sunday. But just now, let's deal with the first aspect of three total aspects that can help us to cultivate hope in the face of a crisis. I draw your attention to verse number one. Isaiah 43. Verse number one says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I want to discuss the question of relationship. There are two other aspects that we'll discuss in the coming week. The purpose, uh, the question of purpose and destiny and the question of service and mission. But today, as we will be bringing this to a close shortly, let me discuss with you this first aspect, aspect, the question of relationship. The people of God in Isaiah 43 had this as their foundation. As the Lord is addressing them, he calls them by name and he says, fear not, O Jacob, O Israel. There is a relationship there. Beloved, we all grow through circles of relationship. And I want to ask you at this time to begin to very deliberately consider the circles of relationship that God has built around you. We should seek healthy relationships. As husband and wife, parents and children, teacher to student, parent to teacher, employee to employer, and vice versa, customer, client, vice versa, business partner, work colleague in a professional setting. There are many, many levels of relationships that we have. Siblings in a family, these are layers of relationships. And today we need these relationships more than ever. Because when anyone is impacted by a catastrophe or a disaster of some kind, 
is the immediate circle of people that they have around them, for whom they look for care, for concern. It's people in a church setting, like our very own church family, many other church families out there. We are here for you, beloved. And someone else out there is there for you. And these human relationships help us to cope, help us to understand that we're here for one another. Here I am, speaking God's words to me. I can say as your pastor, I love you, carefully. I'm concerned about the families in our own church, families in the body of Christ that are impacted by what's happening right now. You are not alone. We love you, we're praying for you. We may be distanced right now by not being able to meet in one location, but we are together in heart. We are together in spirit. But beloved, the most significant relationship that we need to think about to make this application is the relationship with our Creator. This is the one relationship that defines how you relate to your brother and sister, how you relate to your father, to your mother. I need to mention that when your relationship with the Creator, with God, is sound, when that relationship is sound, you draw love, you draw strength, you draw resilience, you draw uh, the characteristics and nature of God that enable you to share love, share consent, to reach out to others, to have a sense of respect, to have a sense of concern. And when somebody is hurting, you feel with them. So we'll look at John chapter 3, verse 16. Here is a picture of humanity in dynamic, and the Bible says. Is our creator God saying, For God, to say of him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God sent his son to come and die for us. So that through that death, as we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, confess our sins, and receive Jesus as our Lord and Jesus, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have a relationship with God. And Paul the Apostle said it more directly that when we have that relationship with God, then we draw peace from Him. Romans chapter 5. We're justified by Him. Therefore, we have peace with Him. So, I want to invite you to make this relationship as your anchor. Because then, as you have this relationship, God not only knows you by name, but calls you by name, summons you to come closer to Him so that the fear that you have will receive. This is how we cultivate hope. Hope in Him. Hope that He comes through for you. In this time of crisis, God is walking through this with us. I remember a hymn of the church that says, We have an anchor that keeps the soul. Stay fast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock that can not move. Grounded, firm, and deep. In the Father's now, the Savior's now. This is Jesus Christ, my proclaimed to you. The anchor of your life. And I share him with you. 
Beloved, I want us to take time now to respond to God's word. So wherever you see all watching us from, or listening to us from, if you've been following the message, by radio, one live radio, where we're being able to reach people in Lusaka, Kasama, Siabonga, and wherever you're watching us from, online, God knows no distance. He's there with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would like you to be able to take time to recognize that you can receive him now by simply saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am sin. I also acknowledge that you have loved me and you were sent to die for me. Therefore, I confess my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to come inside my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to become your child. If you pray that prayer, God will enable you to experience the fact that Christ has come into your heart and your life. Please look out for some detail of how you can receive further help as we come to um, the conclusion of our, uh, our service in a short while. Somebody will help you. For others who've already received Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to take time to pray. Pray for you. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for your family. Pray for your future. Pray for your work situation. Praying that in this crisis, the hope that by God's grace has been deposited into your heart as you join this service today. It will be nurtured, it will grow. Cultivate hope in a time of crisis. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you honor, praise, and glory, and thank you for the opportunity that you gave us to gather with your people in different locations. Thank you for the power of your word. Right now, I pray, dear Lord, for families. Pray for the young, pray for the old. Pray for those who've listened to your word today. Some have been watching us, Lord, from their hospital beds and pray for a touch of healing and for a reversal of that infection. In Jesus' holy name, I pray that, Lord, you will be able to help them to receive life afresh. To the people, God, who are waiting right now for equipment to keep them alive, I pray that you will be their life support. I speak your way right now in Jesus' holy name, that they will survive. And as they survive, they will speak your word in Jesus' holy name. And we pray right now, again, addressing this COVID-19 and speaking your word that these waters will recede. They will not overflow and drown people who now must stay alive in order to fulfill your way. We speak this way in Jesus' name. Pray for a family, Lord, that's looking for where the next meal will come from. You will provide for them. Pray, Heavenly Father, for an individual today who has lost employment as a result of what's happened that you will touch them right now and help them to experience your grace and your power. You are the provider. For all and sundry who have listened to your word today and who have put faith in you, may your covering, your grace, and your power be their portion 
but not never more. Because we pray these mercies through Jesus our Lord and our Savior with thanksgiving. Thank you, dear friends. Join us again at the same time next week as we continue with the Lord. Shalom, and you'll be blessed.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, church family. Um, we're so glad that you could um, be part of this service today. And I know that uh, a number of you have sent in queries to uh, the church office as to uh, what the options are, particularly for giving your tithes and offerings. Feel very free to follow the instructions that um, have been shared already on the various um, online platforms, inclusive of uh, what you've been seeing uh, rolling as we've been um, presenting uh, the message today. Um, we, this is something I know we have to get used to because this is a new way of doing church. And so we appreciate your faithfulness to God and um, uh, to, to the church family and to the vision of the assembly. May God bless you for your faithfulness and continue to do what God has ordained you to do. So please just follow the instructions that are there using the online um, options that are provided so that you can be able to give your tithe and offering. And um, just keep in mind during this period as we are away from uh, one another, meaning just physically, um, church is still going on and we've just had this church moment. I do want to indicate, however, that uh, the church office remains open. There are some of you who within the limitations and the restrictions of um, the stay at home instructions, you may want to uh, reach somebody, specifically at church. There is a skeleton staff that's available, uh, including today on Sunday, up to 16 hours, and you can reach them and you can receive the help that, uh, that you need. So the church office is open even today on Sunday and onward to Monday, Tuesday, all the, all the way through, and you can be able to reach anyone. Um, but if what you need is a phone call, go ahead and make that phone call. We just wanted you to know there is an option to actually reach somebody. But when you do come to the church premises, just remember to strictly comply by the same regulations that we are sharing, to wash your hands and to keep a safe distance of one meter. Even those who will be attending to you when you come, do not think they're resenting you. They're just being faithful to what we have to observe. Once again, thank you for joining in. You're part of a great and loving family. Shalom. <laughs>